What's going on, Tag Gang? Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Tag. It is your boy, the Wrestling Encyclopedia, three-time Indian Leg Wrestling Champion, and your NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, because, like I said before, anybody but Tyrus. Yes, it's me, and I'm joined once again by Chris Sly, the real heel himself. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, how am I not doing fantastic? I'm on the show here. I'm the best guest you've ever had. And uh, it just overall, it's it can't get better. It can't get better when it's me and you. Jared, you know, that's definitely like B plus when it's me and Jared. But with me and you, A plus, baby. Oh, man. And uh, now having to follow that up, uh, we've got Cam Manning in the building today. Cam, uh, Floridian villain-ish. You know, we've gotten away from that for a while, but Cam, how are we doing? I agree. Sly is the best guest you've ever had. It doesn't get any better than him. I agree with that. Then I guess that's settled. And, you know, now there's nothing else to do. Uh, nope. I'm out. <laughs> Good show, everybody. Yeah. It's great job. Kind of stuff. Uh, so today we're going to be doing a very fun situation, a very fun show, uh, because it is the end of of 2022 so i thought what better way to send us out of the year than to recap what was an absolutely mind-boggling crazy year so i thought i wanted to have these guys on pick their brains and go over uh just some of the more memorable moments of 2022 so we're gonna do that today i'm looking forward to this episode um Real quick, just want to go ahead and shout out once again. This is brought to you by the Manscaped Studios. Manscaped, it's the tools for your family jewels. And uh, we'll be talking about them just a little bit later. But yeah, Manscaped, Lawnmower 4.0. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and do this. Today, we're doing a 2022 recap and I couldn't do that, by the way, without a run-in. We have Matt Brown on the show. Matt yeah. Brown, I was, yeah. I was stalling, man. Here we go. Yeah, see, I did my, I was on my birthday show, what, two, three weeks ago. And this homeless guy named Chris came on and just interrupted my show. So I was like, well, I got to return the favor. So that is why I'm here. I'm glad to see the homeless Chris is still there. He does. It looks like he has a place to live. So that's good. And then Mr. 1995 Cam Manning over there, who doesn't know any wrestling before 1995, uh, is here as well. And the NWA heavyweight champion, Keith White. Uh, I am honored to be in this low presence of, of yourselves. Oh, man. This is a uh, who's who right now. Talking about 2022. I think it's more uh, like a who cares, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, I was delighted when you told me that, you know, that you actually knew the product from 2022. So I was like, I got to have you on. We got to go ahead and try this out, see what happens. Uh, Sly, I, I, you know, I enjoy a good run in and I did this just for you. How, how are you feeling right now? Completely unfazed and, uh, uh, to be honest, unimpressed, but it's, you know, it's completely fine. Uh, you know, I, I like the uh, competition and the more the merrier is what I say, because again, still the best, uh, guest host you've ever had. So not, not a problem. Well, there we go. Oh, it's going to be fun today. All right. So we are talking about the most memorable moments of 2022. It was an incredible year for them. Uh, moments that normally would be the top moment of the year overshadowed by some humdingers. So I'm going to go ahead and get us kicked off here and I'm going to go ahead and go to the very beginning of 2022 where the WWE participated in its own version of the forbidden door. And they did something very cool with Mickey James, bringing back Mickey James kind of right in the wrongs of some past uh, misdoings and announcing her as the Impact Women's Championship, the Knockouts Champion, and having the title at the Rumble, and even giving her the hardcore country theme song. So they did everything that you know was done in Impact and allowed them to actually acknowledge another company, bring her in, and create a really cool Royal Rumble moment. That was my uh, that was one of my first memorable moments of 2022. It's not my top, of course, but 
It's one of my first memorable moments of the year. And, and it was a cool moment, but at the same time, I, I, I don't know. WWE knows there are absolutely no competition from Impact. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So there was no, you know, there was no um, sizzle to it, I guess, uh, versus if it was somebody from AEW, obviously that would have been pretty crazy. But I'm, I'm with you. It was still, a, still a very cool moment for WWE to kind of crack the door open. It's not <laughs> like when AEW busted it open, bringing in a new, a new Japan World Order or anything like that. But just throwing it out there, New Japan coming in uh, was was pretty awesome for for AEW. So you're so you're 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 saying that New Japan was way bigger than the WWE, who notoriously absolutely. You saw guys that you never thought you'd see on American TV with Okada and, and those guys. So uh, and like you said, and the wrestling, the the matches they put on were phenomenal. Where Mickey James is like she's fine, but she's never been like super technically great or even like that great of a performer. She's been okay. Like I, I guess I'm, I'm not giving her her credit that's due, but to me, she's been, always been okay. Now you're on Nick Aldis's shit list. Now, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> um, um, that's a take. That's a that's a whole take. What's what's the most memorable thing that this has ever done that you guys Mickey can remember? James? Yeah. ushering in an era where people actually cared about women's wrestling. I don't when, know. When did you we'll do? See, we could start there. A big few. So, so you had Trish Stratus and, and Lita, yeah. right? Yeah. And then she Mickey got James. big off the Trish Stratus thing. Sure. And then she Mickey just James. kind of existed until the new women's uh, revolution <laughs> came. Well, she I mean, kept the I, I'm just saying this. Uh, she, she was kind of the stopgap, I guess, thing. of, of wow. the two generations. She, and she wasn't a stopgap. She gap. did an all right job. I'm not she, saying she was bad. She kept the torch aflame. And even after that, just massively unfortunate Bella's run that we had in WWE, which yep. was just woof. Uh, she kept it aflame to get past them. So we could get to actual women's wrestling. That was like good. And oh, not right. that, that's the doing. good thing that she did. Like you said, with all of those, the Kelly Kelly's and all that, all that yeah. time of just women coming in, just being pretty. She was the one that was actually doing some wrestling, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying outside of the, the big storyline with Trish, that's all you can really say is she carried the torch, but you can't think of anything like, you're like, man, to point to this one particular moment or two particular moments outside of the Trish Stratus uh, storyline. Like that was the biggest thing she's ever done. And then she just carried the company for a few years. And then the women's revolution happened. And then that's when everybody started. Like then, then you have what you have now. But during that time, like I can't think of any off the top of my head. I can't think of any great matches that Mickey James had. I'm just like, yeah, she was fine. Like she was always just fine. Like she put on a, she was a good show. Mickey James and Gail Kim. Uh, but it's Mickey okay. James Oscar when she came, Mickey James came back. That was pretty that, good. That, that was yeah. a great one. Yep. Matt, a hundred percent. I, I did see. I watched a little that rust. Was, that was yeah, a good one. That. That, I got to give props. Uh, Matt Brown, you know, 99% of the time he's wrong, but when, <laughs> when he's right here and there, I'll give it to him. That was a great, so, that was a good point. So Sly, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because you say that you say that new, that new Japan, we would have never seen these guys on American TV, but yet, Tony Khan was definitely before we had the actual forbidden door was going to get him on TV somehow, some way. Um, I guess my thing is it was significant because the WWE doesn't play well with, with others. They don't mention other toys in the sandbox. And so that was my significance there. But they've, they've done it before, Keith. I mean, they've even done it in a Royal Rumble before they've recognized Smoky Mountain wrestling. They've recognized NWA and the, uh, group out of Mexico, a lot of their performers actually performed in the Royal Rumble back in the 90s. So it wasn't like this is the first time it's ever happened. No, and I was going to say, and, and then the whole ECW uh, storyline that they had for a few weeks going there, that was phenomenal. Obviously, again, ECW isn't on the same level, right. but it's it's one of those things where, yeah, that, it's not unheard of with WWE. Again, if it was an AEW guy that they brought in and they had something worked out like someone there, that would have been like universe breaking you know what i mean that would have been like okay wow well i didn't realize today was uh shit on everything that i say day so i don't i'm man keith i'm in your corner dude so it's i got your back you're good you got the lowly cam manning in your corner keith so that's nice i do listen i'm just super (laughs) excited for us to spend the next hour talking about the worst the the worst phrase that wrestling has ever given us which is something about a door being open yeah 
That is the dumbest thing I've ever. Like, it was a terrible thing before it started. It's and bad. then his marketing team thought it was a good enough idea to actually run with. Yeah. And like make t-shirts and stuff. That phrase sucks. Yeah. It is so beyond stupid. And people around him told him it was a good idea. And those are the people that should get punched first. <laughs> So I guess, but, but I will point out the the when I'm saying um and you're right it's not as big of a deal that New Japan I just thought it was very cool because like I said the, the matches were great but when just think about if you actually did have something along those lines remember when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up everyone thinking they were still with WWE that's the level that we would have been at if it was real like if it was a wwe you know that sort of thing but like i said it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing it was kind of cool like you said they acknowledged i just there was no there's no competition from impact so it wasn't as as impactful it's a fair point if AEW had somebody on their women's roster that could even sniff mickey james they would have probably called and tried to ask for her but they don't so you know first of all you got to go with what you got don't disrespect the dmd She's not even the best one on the roster. She's like fourth. I I, I never again. I didn't say a hundred percent in ring ability with Mickey James. I also said you know Mike ability and just entertaining uh, value. Which again, Mickey James has always been so so. And I, I like how you guys brought up. By the way, you know ECW NWA Smoky Mountain, basically the the times of desperation for the WWE. It was not a good time for the WWF. They were grasping at straws, trying to come up with different ways to. Uh, you know, to be relevant. Whereas, you know, post WCW, they've been for years, the only viable competition, but I'm going to go ahead and move on. I want to hear from somebody else. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Can, can I piggyback off you a little bit? Sure. You're going to anyway. What, what? Right. Thank you. This is what I do. This is why I'm here. Uh, the Cody Rhodes, the him showing up in WWE was does a crowd reaction. I've never heard a crowd reaction one for Cody Rhodes like that. And two, that was probably in my top three to five crowd reactions of all time for, for how loud that crowd got the build up to it. The, the buzz when, you know, before, like before he actually came out the buzz with the video and everything, like it was so, so, so well done. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, obviously he signed with WWE, but he was just with AEW. Like you, you had that, you know, you had those WWE guys showing up on AEW, and this was like one of those first shots back and not only a shot back but like bro one of the one of the pillars of AEW and the guy that left as freaking stardust right. and reinvented himself and and is immediately comes into the WWE as a top guy like oh mwah, loved it it was so good yeah, they treated him like a star for sure and he definitely had that huge huge pop and, if and to piggyback off that i mean his match with seth rollins when he came out and took his his robe off and he had a torn pack i mean that that was just that was magical right there like you could not script that any better and i think we're going to end up seeing that when cody left was the downfall of aew is is what i think is going to happen i mean everything fell apart when he left i mean seriously everything fell apart and it's just getting it's going to get worse i think with him gone so and and I think yeah chronologically, you're correct because, you know, wow, I just I mean I I actually did not think about that, but you're correct, you know, and things we'll talk about later in the episode, I'm sure, because you know we kind of want to build some of the the major issues, but you know, AEW has been off the rails for a little bit and is now just starting to kind of steer the ship again. But we've talked before on the show how Tony Khan just does not seem to have. The locker room doesn't doesn't seem to have control um, and is booking uh, on a whim. Maybe maybe on a razor blade. I don't know, but it's happening. Cam knows what I'm talking about. My boy is skiing before he tries to make cards. <laughs> my boy's on the slopes, the black diamond slopes. That's yeah. no bunny slopes for your guy. And, and I mean, it's a great point by Matt, too, when he leaves, it's like I said, he was one of the pillars and he was another one check. <laughs> it's a great point because not only is, like you said, the, the stardom of, of, you know, the, the star power rather of him, but he was one of the guys that had a lot of input backstage and was one of the, those guys that built a W from the ground up. And now once he left, it went from like him and the young bucks and Kenny Omega to like just the young bucks and Kenny Omega. And how much are we seeing now of like, Ooh, maybe they shouldn't have like, like obviously Tony Khan still has the final say, right? But 
they're obviously in his ear. It's kind of like the click situation, right? Like what they say, he's listening to everything they're saying and probably implementing a majority of it. So, uh, and I'm not saying, obviously I love Kenny Omega and young bucks in ring like competitors. They're, they're very good, but uh, behind the scenes, I'm, I'm not liking what, what I, what I'd seen since, uh, since Cody left. Like I said, Matt couldn't have put it better. Like Cody, Cody leaving really, really was a a turning point for them. And again, not to jump ahead, but I mean, everything was moving smoothly. The CM Punk stuff was everything. We didn't hear anything, you know, um, uh, negative, uh, negatively, uh, you know, backstage about any of that. Uh, every uh, it was just like, Oh my God, AEW's on the rise at that time. You know, it was, they're becoming a force. Excellent point. Cam, uh, give us something that you enjoyed from 2022. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I think we're all still in the month of January, so I'll close it out there. Um, <laughs> Keith, I, you and I have a lot more conversations on the business side of wrestling now, which is more so where I lay. I'm, I'm less of a week-to-week fan and more of really enjoying the business side of how things work. Uh, January was a big moment because um, AEW made the move from TNT to TBS. And weren't really sure what was going to happen there or how it was going to change. They ended up changing the TNT belt, adding another one. And, you know, it's minor changes, but making the leap from TNT to T or getting shoved really from TNT to TBS, which holy crap, did they get screwed having to go to TBS? (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Which again, on the business side, they deserve TBS, not TNT. I'm sorry. When you're looking at numbers and viewership and ratings and money, they just, they don't deserve TNT. They deserve TBS. So, um, very interesting to see how the year played out with that transition. And then they're in TV talks right now, which are not going well, uh, for AEW. If you're an AEW fan, it is, it is ugly and they are getting punched left and right pretty hard in those meetings right now. And, Khan's not going to like how this turns out. Well, I'll go ahead and and jump off that, which is a good point. But um, right now they're also struggling. Although Tony Khan is trying to spin it uh, with, with they they lost opportunities for a TV deal for something they purchased this year, which we never thought would happen when they purchased Ring of Honor. You know, Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor and bringing it back from the dead, um, and having shows this year, and then having probably way too much content on AEW and now saying, okay, we're bringing back the honor card uh, and saying that that subscription based service is going to have brand new shows, but he's also claiming already that their subscription service is doing better than honor card ever did. And who knows if that's a bill of goods or if that's the actual truth, because no one's given anybody numbers. And part of the reason that Ring of Honor was in such dire straits is because they didn't have the numbers for Honor Card and subscription service. So I'm I'm finding it hard to believe that that's actually you know doing gangbusters for them. But we shall see. Uh, the good thing is it allows a place like uh, still a place for the um, Briscoes to call home. Uh, you got a lot of people that can actually now finally kind of go to a different spot because the, the saturation was ridiculous with all elite wrestling with different acts. So happy to see they have something, but I am worried about the honor cards for sure. Uh, it was interesting in that promo when TK mentioned that he was, you know, told everybody that he was buying ring of honor. And I remember one of the things he said was Shane McMahon's not coming out. And in the moment I knew he meant for it to be a punch, but it was actually a, a shot back. Like the joke actually ended up being more so on him than it was right. a shot towards everybody else. That was just tough timing for your guy. Just a bad, just a bad spot there. But when, again, it's like, you look at the mathematics of what he did. Like he bought a dying brand for rights to something and didn't have the infrastructure to fill it with the brand that he currently has. Like, like there's a reason why WWE waited like almost however many years they waited to buy like NWA, the TNA library, which they own, or, you know, the percentages of it anyways, like there's a reason they waited decades to do that and didn't just do it in six months. Like you have to have the infrastructure to make those leaps and to set those things up. And I think he just jumped the gun. I think he's got too many yes men around him 
I worry about TK in that in that respect. And that's pure speculation from my point. I, I don't know anything on that side, but the moves that he makes on the business side really makes me think like he's got yes men around him. Not to talk about the history, but I don't think I've ever heard of an organization buying another organization and able to run it successfully as a separate entity. I mean, Jim Crockett bought uh, UWF. That didn't work out. Vince brought WCW. That didn't work out. Bought ECW. That didn't work out. I mean, I don't know what Tony Khan was thinking that he was going to be able to run a separate company. He's doing the pay-per-views, but. I really don't think the streaming service doing the shows just on the streaming service, people are going to pay that much just to watch the show and not get the pay-per-views from that either. Fantastic point. And, and yeah, Beautifully I, said. I always love that, you know, you, you bring the history as always, we do appreciate that. And uh, you know, and there's always something to be said to look back. So time is going to tell, but um, you know, we're all really cautious about that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let's see here. Matt, did you, you, you uh, well, I don't think we've gotten you with another 2022 event yet. Sure. I was going to pick a Tony Gurria match, but I guess none of your listeners would probably know who Tony Gurria is. But I would like to talk about not just one match, but three matches. FTR versus the Briscoes. Yes. Talk about three great tag team wrestling matches. And if I could just go back a little bit of history, kind of reminds me of the old rock and roll, uh, you know, Midnight Express matches, personally. Uh, and they did all this with no TV buildup, no angle, like nothing was on TV. Like, just think if they would have had... You know, I, I understand the executives that, you know, Turner did not want the Briscoes on TV. I have a feeling Tony Khan could have got around that personally. But just thinking of the buildup, if they would have had the Briscoes on TV feuding and, and doing an angle with, with, the, uh, with FTR throughout the whole year for these three matches. Like, not only would we be talking, like, hardcore wrestling fans would be talking about them, but they probably would have brought in a lot of more audience, too, to see these three great matches. And each one was totally different. Unbelievable. You, you I actually want to piggyback off Matt there, because, yeah. Matt, you made a great point. I think that also speaks to what wrestling companies aren't magnet, magnet, not magnifying. Good Lord. What, what wrestling promotions are magnifying is, is the strength of Twitter FTR. And that was built off Twitter, like Twitter feuds, like messaging each other back and forth, like quick videos and promos that they cut, which are, I mean, the, the all four of them will just cut great promos till the day they stop breathing. But like, yeah, I mean, it, none of it was on TV, but the build was so good because of what, the platform like Twitter and stuff brings them. So again, to your point, Matt, even saying that, like imagine if there was just 30 minutes of TV time, 30 yeah. seconds of TV time, what else it would have done. And it was still great. So I, I completely agree with you. Plus, I just, you know, the uh, Twitter, you know, their Twitter exchange was great for hardcore wrestling fans, but to bring in those casual fans aren't, aren't following FTR and the Briscoes, you know, on social media, to bring in those casual wrestling fans doing it on TV would have been great. I mean, the only thing they did was what, in their last match, they had the, uh, the ass boys come out, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever, you know, claiming that the Briscoes are going to fight them then, so. Yeah, that, that was win of the sa out of the sales for that, but. Uh, this Briscoe FTR situation actually caused me to do something I haven't done in a long time, which is buy a pay-per-view. I got excited. I actually purchased a pay-per-view. So, um, and you guys hit the nail on the head. Uh, what what would it have done for 30 seconds of the Briscoes coming out and doing a stare down with FTR or, or it costing them? I remember that I, I expected them to show up in that, um, that tag team battle Royal. You know, that was my thought was they're going to show up, but, it's a shame because something that Jay Briscoe said years ago that he has repented for ever since, you know, you, you would have thought that by now, you know, that wouldn't be news anymore because he has, he has walked himself back every time consistently and, and, and done a 180, you know? And so I'm wondering, is it, is it, is it that, is it, was it that, horrible that you know that he can't get the pass where other people can say all kinds of stuff and still get uh you know get get views get on tv all kinds of stuff i don't know or was it another tag team in the executive offices that didn't want it to happen too <laughs> yes yes 
Yep. Go. Oh, you guys are, you guys, I love this episode already today. I hope everybody else does as you're listening. Um, yeah. 2022, by the way, uh, I'd be remiss if I don't say real quick that 2022 is almost over, but, uh, new year, new you out with the old balls and in with the new, we're going to go ahead and give it up for manscaped with the lawnmower 4.0 and the deluxe package. What that means is it's a deluxe package for your package. Skin safe technology. I've ruined cam for the episode. Uh, the tools for your family jewels. Make sure that you guys take advantage right now at manscaped.com. Trust us. Your balls will thank you. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and jump back in and review 2022 with our amazing, amazing panel here uh, that I think Sly and Matt have just dressed us down so much, but I still have high self-esteem for us here as a unit. Uh, Sly, go ahead and give us another memorable event from 2022. Oh, I'm going to talk. Okay. I was falling asleep with what everyone else was saying. I apologize. God. All right. Now that I'm back awake. Um, Hey, listen, one of my favorites of all time. And one of the favorites of uh, a lot of people that were grew up in my generation, stone cold, Steve Austin came out of retirement and wrestled again. That was a huge moment for me. And especially against KO, like KO, could it have been anybody better? But KO, like, like, KO's such a good, such the consummate professional, so good in the ring, so good on the mic. Like he is, in my opinion, like him and Moxley are like the closest things we have to to the new Stone Cold, you know, and obviously there can never be another one. But uh, it was just it was phenomenal. The only thing that would have made that better for me would have thrown like CM Punk in there for a three, you know, three way match. But that's neither here nor there. Um, that's just my three favorites of all time. So uh, I, I loved Stone Cold coming out. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure how, you know, how much he was going to let himself kind of get thrown around. You know, it took a, f- a few bumps. He went to the railing once, took a couple, you know, a couple bumps on, on the map. But uh, um, I thought they did that well enough to to make it believable and 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 sell it well. So uh, I was a big fan of of uh, the main event of night one of WrestleMania. Yeah, Kevin Owens to me is timeless. I feel like he could be in any era. I think he I think he would have worked in any era of wrestling, and he's just he's just so timeless. Dude's phenomenal. He's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, underrated in a lot of ways too, with what he's you know been given opportunity wise. Um, so Cam, hit us with another memorable moment from 2022. Yeah, I'm gonna stay on the the mania theme with Sly. Which, I, first off, Kevin Owens absolutely can work in any generation. I just I just have to say that I totally agree with that. Like, I That's could a, picture. I agree too. Yeah, absolutely. I could picture him in like a segment with at the poker table with APA as much as I can see him in like facing stone cold this year like like you just if you're like hey ko is actually wrestling with like the steiners against like whoever else from wcw you're just like yeah no that yeah that makes sense and it right. just it almost like it doesn't even phase you because i i just agree with that but kevin I'm Owens just, and like bruiser brody you know right the butcher you know like a lot of guys yeah <laughs> i totally agree uh i'm gonna stick with sly I actually follow him again on wrestlemania um pat mcafee man like Holy cow. Just he's he's the he's the best non-wrestler to ever wrestle like ever. I, I feel like he's pretty much submitted su- su- cemented himself in that. I feel like we've had a lot of like there are a lot of people that can come to mind, I feel like over the years, but like it's just it's the answer is McAfee. Like I don't, I don't know who second is, but it just doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't really matter. I feel like McAfee's goal, like like what he did when he was with Adam Cole, what he did to carry the brand as a commentator, and then when we hopped on the mic, and then when he got into that feud with Theory, and what him and Theory were able to do uh, at Mania, and then his work with uh, McMahon in that segment, and then Austin came back around, and all that stuff. Like McAfee was just, uh, he was just so like flawless in making that transition and becoming a part of that world and doing what he did and then secondarily losing McAfee I think it's huge mm-hmm. for WWE and and it's an amazing opportunity what he has he had to say yes to that there was no way he could have said no sure, but it's just it, just a tough loss for for WWE and what what his ability for him to bring because I tell you what Pat McAfee made Michael Cole 
the best announcer in wrestling history while they were working. Like he made Michael Cole take another step or two up. And Cole is already like a Mount Rushmore guy. And, and McAfee played alongside him so well. Like he, he made Michael Cole go up a notch because he had to, because of what McAfee was doing with him. And I just, I feel like we got to give our flowers to, to Pat and what he was able to do, I mean, especially this year. And on that note, I mean, I a hundred percent agree that he elevated or helped elevate Michael Cole, but in no way, shape or form, my saying Michael Cole is one of the best to ever do it. Like he's no gotta shot. be one of the best. You're, you're, you're wrong. He's, he's, he's one of the, one best of the best at knowing the right people. Sure. I'll give I you feel, that. I feel like that's, it, that's I, fine. And it doesn't seem like we can definitely disagree bias. with that. But like if, if Michael Cole isn't in your top group of a wrestling commentators ever, like it's, it's a, it's bad. It's a false group. And that's my, that's where I stand. Like if he's not in your best, I, I think group, doing it for a length of time doesn't necessarily mean you're one of the best. That's so fair. That's, but like, he doesn't have to be one, but he's got to be in that elite group. If you're going to group people together, he has. I'm to curious be to that. see what Matt Brown has to say with this because me and Matt well, normally disagree a lot. But I'm I can curious. Tell you, I'm wrong because I saw Matt's reaction when I said it. So Sly, <laughs> Matt is going to agree with you here right now. Which it doesn't. Me and Matt never agree, and it's happened like five times see, on the show. It's I'm ridiculous. Bringing, I'm bringing people together. This is what I do. I say stupid things, and I make enemies become friends. <laughs> Well, saying that uh, Michael Cole should be in the Mount Rushmore of announcers, the only where anybody would ever say that is on Mixed Tag Podcasts. Coming out of the mouth of Cam, Mister Nineteen Ninety Five Manning. I mean, who, I, I'm just curious, who else is on your Mount Rushmore of announcing? I mean, you have to go back to like, like it's it's Monsoon, like it's all those guys, but he has to be in that discussion. Like he just has to be. Gordon Sully. Yeah, from longevity purposes only like why am i gonna why am i gonna like take that away from somebody that he was able to do it for four decades like how do we all of a sudden take longevity and make it a bad thing in sports that I, that never makes sense to me. he knew how to announce the vince mcmahon way and yes he is great at the vince mcmahon announcing he's great at keeping his job just unbelievable and if i was in that position i would do the same thing because wwe's paying the most money compared to everybody else but when you look back in the history of gordon soley and uh, uh jim ross and all of these guys monsoon and he yeah, and and the body and it. like i mean even the territory announcers you know are, are pretty up there too you know yeah it's not fit forget vince mcmahon and terry shivani like mm-hmm. oh, no man no vince mcmahon no vince was i love vince mcmahon totally underrated and, and, as a commentator and, and you just said terry shivani uh that must be tony's cousin uh <laughs> We oh, also, I did say Terry, my fault. I met Tony. But yeah, also, you're you're saying you take Michael Cole over Vince McMahon? I'm saying he's got to be in that group. I'm saying if you're gonna if you're gonna say who's the top announcers ever, Michael Cole has to be on that list. How many people are in your group? Every announcer ever? Right, no. I was supposed to say how how many like what's your top group? Like he's not in my top five, so that's not one of the He'd best. Be in my five. Um mm. I just want to say real quick too. That's fun. But remember, I didn't learn anything before the year 1995. So right, like, yeah. I don't know algebra. Like, I have no idea what some of these tall buildings are that I drive by. Uh, certain continents don't exist to me. It's just wrestling. Everything else, I think you're up to date, Cam. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, then in that case, then yeah, Michael's one because I don't know anything before 95. So yeah. And, and, and I love, I love Ross, but, but we all can agree. I think that, um, Jim Ross jumped the shark seven we, years we ago. We need to take some years off of Jim Ross's career. Oh, yeah, yeah, but hold on. You're going to say, okay, but you're going to look at the end of Ross's career and then it no. takes away from no, no, his no, prime. No, 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 okay. Absolutely. Okay. Just, okay. Okay. We're talking about just, right now, JR. I'm just, yeah. Okay. Right yeah. Now. Right now. Sure. I sure. might take Michael Cole over JR right now, but we're saying yeah. of the all time greats that yeah. includes people that have passed away. And JR has to be, JR in my opinion, number one. A hundred percent. JR, Monsoon, Keenan, all those guys. Voice of a generation for sure. Yeah, uh, Matt Brown. Give us another one. What? Give us another memorable. But also, moment. that got way off the topic of Pat McAfee being awesome for WWE. <laughs> so we need to like come full circle back to that. Like, uh, so, uh, cool. and that's another one. Like, uh, he was really good too. But like, we, dude. After that, we, we saw. I forget which one. I've always mixed him up. But one of the Paul brothers Logan. against Roman did pretty damn good in a main sure. event spot. Like uh, against Roman, yeah. who was like 
he's a good wrestler, but he's not one of the best technically. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but we've seen that in, in history, uh, but you're, you're right. I mean, he was one of the better uh, in ring for sure. I'm not going to take that away from you, but you're Ken's saying talking like, total package. Yeah. yeah total Ken's, package. I get, I get that with, yeah. With being on the mic and, yeah, and like doing commentary and all that. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, like it was lightning in a bottle for like two years with him, and it was awesome. And Cam also gave us the prediction. I want to say, I don't remember which month it was, but he gave us a prediction of a eventual, before we knew that that um, Pat McAfee was leaving, he he mentioned uh, a WrestleMania match of Logan Paul and Pat McAfee down mm-hmm. the road. So, yeah. um, you know, so he did put him in that same sphere. Mm-hmm. Matt, hit us up, brother. Well, I, I don't watch... Smackdown, the whole Smackdown and Raw, which I don't think anybody could, but I do like watching a lot of the clips and I've been very entertained with Sami Zayn with the bloodline. I mean, talking about just making Jay crack up laughing on half the promos uh, and coming from a guy that played a mute, you know, back in Ring of Honor and was afraid to talk on the microphone. This guy has become one of the best talkers, probably right behind MJF right now. And it's just unbelievable the work Sami Zayn has done on the microphone. Even I am entertained with Sami Zayn on the microphone of the Bloodline. Just absolutely gorgeous and great memory for 2022. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I haven't done my own in a while, so I'm going to do one. Uh, This one was a big deal, and it it gets overshadowed because of all the other things that have happened in 2022. But uh, Sasha Banks walking out of the WWE was a major, major deal. And now we might get her back in New Japan and who knows what else is going to happen. But what is Naomi? Chopped liver? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. I wanted someone to say it. That's why I brought it up. Thank you uh, yes. for being honest they, about it. Naomi comes back because they need Sasha. That's how Naomi gets yeah, back. And the one thing Naomi's doing right now, like they left together and now Sasha's going to get this big contract for New Japan and Naomi's just sitting at home. Yep. Yeah, Naomi's going to get to come back and hang out with your husband contract. True. Yeah. So it's just very interesting to me, um, you know, how the WWE handled it at the time. And then, of course, how they how I'm wondering if they would have handled it, you know, now because things have changed. And obviously, we're going to get there in this episode uh, to that pivotal moment of 2022. Um, but it's just very interesting to me. Uh, she's got. She's got some Hollywood credentials now being on the Mandalorian. Uh, she's kind of dipping her toes in that water. Uh, every, every company is going to try and, and, you know, bid to get her. I'm sure, you know, new Japan, I'm sure AEW Tony Khan is salivating at the idea of, you know, yes, it's another WWE product wrestler, but it will help that, that women's uh, division, which is uh, struggling compared to the others oh i it would beyond help she'd immediately become their number one female star in oh, my yeah. opinion. It, it wouldn't help the women's division it helped the company yeah, yeah absolutely. Company. she would elevate the company if yes. she walked onto that stage yes. <laughs> yeah so her star power gigantic um you know it, it it gave some insight into the issues with the wwe um they dropped the ball immediately by blam- blaming the women on the air uh which was kind of unfortunate to hear um but you know, I found that to be a one of the more shocking moments of 2022 by far. Pretty, and like I said, that would have been number one for cer- certain years. So it was definitely a wild and crazy year. Sly, hit us up with your next one, man. Oh, my next one is one that you wanted to save till the end of the show. I don't have, honestly, my fit, my, you guys already hit my top ones. We Sasha and Naomi were, were crazy. Yeah. I, I could not agree more with Matt Brown about, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. With Sami Zayn and what they're doing with, with the bloodline. And yeah. like I said, uh, with, when I was on the show with, um with Jared the other day, you know, the bloodline by itself would have been entertaining i feel like it would have been fine it would have been great it would have been sammy just takes it to that extra level man where it's now it goes from okay this is one of the best things on the show to this is the best thing Mm -hmm. on the show and uh you know going into war games too i love the i love the kevin owens reveal as well with him coming out to, to face roman and 
Um, I, I feel like that's just one of, that's going to go down as one of those classic rivalries when it's all said and done. Cause obviously they're not done. They're going to face each other some more, but, uh, I, Roman and, and Owens, I, I, I love, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't agree more with you guys. I, like I said, that's just the best going on. And, and unfortunately, you know, last year, this time we had a lot to say about AEW and it's kind of crazy that outside of one not so great story that we'll talk about here shortly, we don't have a lot to say about AEW. It's, it's really WWE's year. And uh, you know, that is, I think a huge credit to, to triple H let's be honest, man. I know you don't like him, Keith. He's like your dude that you, that you're not the fan of, but man, triple H is, is really showing his chops as a, as a showrunner. And he did when, when it was just NXT, you know, when, when NXT first came out and man, how do you guys remember that? When NXT first came out, you were like, well, this is awesome. This is so like, like gritty and raw and cool. And like, it it was just, and man, he's, he's kind of doing it with a a main program, which is crazy. It's funny. uh, Cam, in the beginnings of this show, mixed tag in the early episodes, Cam uh, upset Jared greatly by Daring to say that AEW, uh, you know, got its its ideas from NXT, you know, and that and so that was uh, that was a Triple H special. You're right. I I dislike Triple H the wrestler. I'm very happy with Triple H the uh, executive. I think a lot of cool things have happened. Uh, I want to real quick say um, before we because I think we we're about to hit the top two probably events of the year. I want to just add in one more thing. And it was the masterful work that was done to bring back Bray Wyatt. Um, I think I was going to ask if I could do one. And you took it. Yeah. And this is all you can't. No, 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 no. I got two more. So you take this. one. All right. Good deal. Well, uh, I just got to say um, just the masterful way they brought back Bray Wyatt was so cool. And it was, it was still somehow original and fresh um, to me. Things have cooled off a little bit, but Nothing captures the feel that that crowd had um, when he came out. The place went nuts. We talk about gigantic pops. He blew out the uh, the lantern. It was just electric. Uh, I remember watching that live as well. And 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 the crowd. I mean, the crowd knew. The crowd knew all night it was going to be happening. You know, nothing's a secret anymore. It feels like on the internet. So, uh, just the anticipation was fantastic. But it was also a tremendous delivery. Matt Brown, we haven't heard from you in a while. It was something. <laughs> Uh, I only have the top two that everybody want, is waiting to talk about, and that's it, man. Right, so I watched that much wrestling this year. Come on. I'm so proud of what you've done, though. I'm so proud of, of, of what you've given us so far. Cam, give us something, brother. I got two quick ones. One, as somebody that lives in Florida, I was very excited to see 2022 having the indie circuits get back into full form and being able to open up more and being able to run more and event spaces being okay with uh, that amount of the population under one roof without masks and all that kind of stuff. So um, I know you guys know that for sure, but especially down here, like the indie scene is a, is a bloodline down here. And so it was nice to see it fully going in 2022. Another one, a small, a a small thing, but a big one. Uh, Shad Gaspar getting in the WWE hall of fame this year was, was just a cool moment after like what he went through and, and, and obviously what he did to save his son and, and going in with that, which by the way, was a loaded hall of fame class this year. Um, like seeing Shad get in and get his, get his flowers, even if it was posthumously was still, it was a nice, it was a nice moment. It was probably something that gets overlooked a lot uh, from this year and and that's fine, but there's this cool moment. Just wanted to say it. I, I'm going to take us in a different direction of a not so cool moment. Uh, where we were all concerned, but also just kind of, just kind of, I don't know, disinterested, which was uh, Ric Flair's final match, which didn't even turn out to be his final match necessarily. Once you, you, know, you have that, then you go to Puerto Rico and get involved in the Colognes. I don't know, man. Uh, I just watched the Woo uh, documentary on Peacock. I watched that as well. It was really good. Yeah, it was good, but I, I feel like um, it was definitely like there was some spin to it, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I thought that the, the 30 for 30 was more damning in certain ways uh, and more raw and real where they swore this one was going to be raw and real. But I guess with, with the machine behind, they can't they can't show warts and all. 
And how many documentaries can we have about Ric Flair? Can they pick somebody else? <laughs> I mean, there's an actual picture I saw on Facebook of Ric Flair watching the documentary. Yeah, that's like, right. There's going to be a behind the scenes of Ric Flair, like directing the documentary about Ric Flair. This oh, don't worry. We're due for about 37 Vince McMahon documentaries here in the oh, next two yeah. years. So. Bring them on. I want to see those. Yeah. Uh, this this Ric Flair one that we just watched, that Sly and I just watched at least, reminded me just, I was like, I felt like I was reading his book. You know, because the book is still fresh in my mind. So it really felt like I was reading his book in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, the 30 for 30 was much more biting and, and um, warts and all. But I can't wait for those those Vincent Mann documentaries. Mm. Uh, he just okay. has to cool off for another couple more years and then we'll be getting them. And, and, and we'll go there in a quick second. But this is as good a time as any slide. Give us the set. Give us the number two. The number two moment in, in in 2022, which would have been number one in any other year. Uh, are, you, are you talking about when CM Punk spoke his mind and then stuck up for himself and then got blackballed from a company because the inmates are running the damn asylum, just like we saw in WCW? Everyone put everyone's been pinning everything on CM Punk, and I'm so sick of it. Like like the stupid Kenny Omega and the stupid. Young Bucks had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. These guys are innocent. And then they're like, oh, let's just forget about it. Let's forget about it. And their first match back, they referenced CM Punk like 27 freaking times. God, God, get over yourselves, you freaks. Anyway, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, just that. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Ha- having having the guy who came back, that was, that was, that was applause worthy. Um, having the guy who came back the year before and to 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 eject to basically yeah. double AEW's numbers uh, in TV. Yeah. Oh, wait, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that after ruining three? I know it was double, rooms, but CM it was... Punk would ruin a fourth. <laughs> Nobody saw CM Punk being the locker room cancer for the fourth time in his lifetime. Not one person. Saw I, that bro, we we hear first of all. Let's just think about what Matt Brown said earlier with somebody else that left AEW because they weren't liking the atmosphere. Right? Mm-hmm. He left, and it, when it started to go downhill. CM Punk, when everything happened in WWE, they were about to have a Randy Orton Batista main event in WrestleMania that year. And when he left, he basically forced Daniel Bryan into that main event. So everyone calls him a cancer, but everything he does seems just seems to be kind of him exposing the dark underbelly of what's going on. And hopefully the good things come out of it. And they have in the past. We we still haven't seen what's happening here, but like I said, it, it just, I think more exposed the young bucks and Omega in my opinion. Yeah. I think we're going to see, I think though, we're going to see CM Punk in AEW in 2023. Um, he would have been released by now. I mean, they had this phony investigation that they didn't even interview all the people in the locker room. I mean, this is all, I think it started off as a shoot, but it is all work now completely. I think both things can be true. I think CM Punk can expose things and be a locker room cancer. I feel like both of those things can actually be playing on the same level. Because here's the thing. CM Punk is, by all counts, a narcissist. Uh, What he did for his entire retirement was every eight months, he would show up on Twitter or at a convention and talk about how he longed for the days of wrestling and like longed for all of this. And basically had the fans chanting his name at wrestling events across the country every, I'd say, six to eight months. I'll be generous. For how long was he retired? Ten plus? Almost ten? Close to ten? Seven Seven years. Uh, And that's all he did. And then he came back and he didn't really do anything. Like, he popped crazy in Chicago. I hope if you're CM Punk, you pop in your hometown. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. The Cody and the Bray pop? We're about equal to the CM Punk pop. Mm-hmm. And he had been gone for seven plus in his own hometown. Yeah. Like I've been saying this for years and Keith can back me up on this. In no world is CM Punk worth any of this at all. Like he's just not. He popped AEW's numbers for about two pots of coffee. And then <laughs> came straight back to where they were. He popped them for a second. He should. He's CM Punk. He's been retired. He loves the fans. He adores and cherishes the fans and the moments that he spent with them while he was wrestling. 
He loves them. Of course, the numbers are going to pop. But they didn't stay there. Neither did he. He went super part-time real fast. And he would come out and he would cut a promo on the mic and then he would leave. And then like every six to eight weeks, he would like find his boots and hop in there and give it a go. And like, You mean when oh, he got he hurt? In- because when he first got there, he was on nearly every show wrestling most shows. I mean, yeah, but like... It, and then, I mean, what, once you get hurt, like, yeah, some people not, don't he, wrestle hurt. <laughs> like, like, Punk is not worth any of this. Like, at his peak, he's just not worth this. Like, he just isn't. And he exposes a lot of things. So I, I will credit that. I, I'm with you there. But he's not worth the cancerous nonsense he is in the locker room. Like, he's got to go. But he won't go because he's boys with Tony. And the reason why we all know that is because Tony started hushing people on the mic CM Punk got to cuss everybody and their mother out. And Tony Khan damn near sat there and hugged him and cried with him and held onto his arm, which is another problem when you have a fanboy running an operation. You can't be a fanboy and run the operation at the same time. Those two things just never work. And we're watching it unfold in real time. It was really telling for me how uh, him coming back didn't move the needle for the casual fan like it was supposed to. And and it, and it, in reality, it didn't move the fan, the needle for the hardcore fan because the numbers went back down. Well, I was going to say when when CM Punk was off TV, the numbers started going down a lot faster. Like when he when he got hurt with when he first won the championship and got hurt, and then when he came back, the numbers went up, and then he got hurt a second time, and now the, the like the numbers are practically in the dumpster. Like I don't know, you guys are saying he didn't do much for the numbers, but without him there, the numbers were dwindling. You, you see what I'm saying? Like it, it's almost like he kept it afloat, and then once he disappeared from TV, the numbers just took a nosedive. And would any wrestler really have popped the numbers? I mean, if Ray Wyatt came into AEW, that would not have popped the numbers like CM Punk did. Because the casual wrestling fan knows who CM Punk is. The casual wrestling fan doesn't know who Bray Wyatt is. So I don't think anybody could have done it. I think it has more to do with Tony Khan and their executive vice presidents of why they can't go past that million or 1.2 million threshold more than anybody. If they could bring Hulk Hogan in, I don't think it's going to matter. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other. I mean, we're all four of us are just going to agree on that. So, <laughs> like, yeah, we all agree there. Yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen, it is that time. Uh, we've got to talk about the story of the year, the story of a lifetime in professional wrestling. Uh, because we never thought this day would happen, we thought that there would just be probably a death. Uh, but Vince McMahon. Ended up retiring thanks to his own dick. Yeah. Re- retiring is a real nice way to put it. A uh, forced resignation, yeah. maybe, would be more apropos in this situation, uh, Mr. Keith. I just, I, I'm still, in a way, I'm still floored by it. Um, it. It was absolutely incredible when it happened. And, and we all were very shocked. Um, just because we never saw it coming. Uh, you know, I haven't actually had the chance really to talk too much to each of you individually about this. So I'd like to hear, this is obviously the story of the year. And and like I said, just a story of, of generations now that, that we never thought this day would come because he had such an iron grip in his company that we really thought he would just be working until he died. I mean, the, the man's, the man's legend, uh, you know, for, for countless hours, uh, almost no sleep, uh, hates sneezing, hates coughing, hates anything involuntary that he can't control. So here we are, and we have a whole new era, and 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 one that has so far creatively paid more dividends for most people. Um, so Matt, kick us off. Sure. I mean, I looked up today. He bought the WWWF in 1982. So this was his 40th year owning the company, which is kind of amazing. You just end right on 40. Plus, of course, he was announcing way before that, before he bought it from his dad and and their partners. But yeah, I actually went back and looked at one of my old shows, Keith, that I had you on. And one of my questions to, to you 11 months ago was, when would Vince McMahon sell? And you said, no, he would never sell. Um, I thought he would sell within three years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's shocking that, it, you know, I, 
I have, I mean, he had to step down really after all the accusations and a lot of these accusations are not new. It's just, it's new for, you know, the corporate world. And, and that's not going to fly. If this was a private company, Vince McMahon still had a private company. He would probably be okay with it, but yeah. he doesn't. And it's the best thing that happened for the WWE is having this man step down, getting new fresh blood in there. I mean, his last, what, 15 years has been pretty bad. But I try to remember the good time. I mean, the guy won the wrestling war. He took out all of his competition. What he did for wrestling, I, I said on when it happened on your show, I uh, made the comment, this, Vince McMahon was the best thing for wrestling and the worst. It was the best because he took it to new heights that it has never gotten before. But it was also the worst because he destroyed the territory system. And now we have just the WWE style of announcing and wrestling. And it's it's killed, you know, the southern type of wrestling, all the other different uh, territorial wrestling, which was different between the two, all the territories throughout the U.S. So he was the best thing for wrestling, but also the worst thing for wrestling as well. Yeah. And side note real quick, check out Tales from the Territories uh, on Vice. It is a fantastic series and, and just absolute. I mean, Matt, if you haven't seen it yet, you will love it. Um, great. I've seen them all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not the stories are true though. Uh, the one from Memphis, like Gary Jarrett never took that guy's eye out. So, but yeah, no, I, it's so many different like fabrications, but you know, that's, that's pretty much, you know, expected in the pro wrestling world. Um, one of the things that came to my mind right away with what Matt was saying was, you know, there was always those kind of rumors, but no one could ever prove it. And it was kind of the same thing with like someone like Harvey Weinstein, right? Like it was always kind of known in Hollywood what was going on. But then, all right, now we're starting to get a little bit of proof. All right. Once there's some of that proof, then like it's done. And especially with where we're at today in a society, and I'm not saying it's a negative thing where we're at because I feel like women have been very much sexualized and sexually abused for a very long time in these industries. So I'm not saying it's a, it's a negative thing. It's just more of a coming to light. And now there's proof sort of thing. So um, that was the first thing that came to mind when, when you said that. And, uh, and I a hundred percent agree. Like you said, I, I think what would have been best for wrestling in my opinion is if WCW somehow found a way to stay afloat and just created more competition for WWE through the years. Cause like you said, WWE buying out the territories negatively impacted that, you know, section of, of different styles of wrestling that we got. But what drove the, the boom obviously was WCW versus WWE and WWE buying out all of his competition at that point. I think was the, was the beginning of the downfall because like I said, there's no competition at that point. Yeah. You have this influx of talent, but that's not necessarily a great thing either because now you're oversaturated. And ever since then you've seen other companies pop up all the time and just nothing ever comes close to comparing to that. And even AEW, like we, we, I think everyone here has some sort of fondness for AEW, even if you don't love it, there's something you like about it, but it's still not even near the level of what the WCW competition was. So that really, like I said, that uh, you're, you're completely right. But in my opinion, just slightly different timeline. It was, he was great for wrestling because even with him buying all those territories, he still brought all those, all those wrestlers and all, uh, you know, all to a mainstream national audience, uh, you know? So that's, I guess, still the positive of him buying them out, even though again, him buying it out was great for us wrestling fans, but it was real bad for the, the obviously the owners of those territories, the people that ran those shows, the buildings, like, and he was real shitty about it. Like Vince McMahon was, 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 oh man, he, he's piece POS for sure. When it came to how he, how he got over on them. But anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of my take. I, I agree with you. Good, best thing and worst thing for wrestling. But like I said the worst thing just, uh, to me is it's a little bit later when, when he bought out the, the whole competition. And I'm not sure if you guys uh, have seen any documentaries. I'm sure Matt Brown has, I know Keith has, but like how much like Vince bought WCW for and the collection and all like, dude, it was like next to nothing. It's so stupid that, that WCW could have kept going for such a minuscule amount of money. They just couldn't get TV. That was the problem. Yeah. And when you have executives that don't want wrestling on your TV, no matter what, because it was still highly rated for, for TNT. Right. And it absolutely could have turned it around for sure. And that's what you got to worry about AEW is 
you know, they have all these mergers, like what happened with WCW. You get one top executive doesn't want wrestling on their TV. It doesn't matter how well AEW is doing. They're off the air. Right. And it's not doing well enough now, like to warrant it. So you, like the minute you get somebody who's anti pro wrestling on, on either network, it's curtains for sure. Cam. Uh, can I say one more thing? I promise Cam, I'll let you, but it just, it, I, I've been, this has kind of been unstuck on me too, but like, I, I know he's shaking his fist at me. Listen, does it make you guys cringe a little bit now when you see those like Vince McMahon promos with women, like in the ring, like making them kiss them and like the, like the ass club and all that I stuff. Cr- like I cringe when before, it was happening, when it was happening for sure. But everyone was just like, Oh, everyone's in on the joke. Ha ha ha. Maybe not so much. Maybe it was do this. So you don't work here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was just, I don't know. It just, it definitely makes a, a, a a beloved part of my childhood slash teen years in the attitude era, just a little bit less like, ah, I still like the wrestling and, and the mail. It just, it really does take away a, a good portion of it for me. It's, it's just gross. Now you feel, you're feeling guilt and uh, you know, that's normal for teenagers. I don't feel guilt. Uh, Keith, I'm just saying uh, <laughs> what, what is going on. That's all. Cam, take us home, brother. Uh, I totally agree with everything Matt and Sly said, so there's no real reason for me to really rehash it other than uh he like he's he's coming back, right? Like we all know the end of this. Like to the WWE? Yeah, he still owns it. He didn't sell it. Everybody thinks that because he retired, he sold it. He still owns the whole but thing. But he took he the company like, public. If he didn't take the company public, yeah, I'd hundred like percent agree with you. He's still chairman and CEO. Like he still owns it. He's still the chairman and CEO. All he said was like, Hey guys, I'm going to go hang out on my couch for a little bit longer every day now. Like he's already talking about how he can come back. Those are conversations that have happened starting a month ago. Yep. He's already calling WWE brass to figure out how to come back into the company. So like he's going to come back next year. Like we should all just, you ain't got to like it. You ain't got to love it. Clint, we should all just like get around the thought that like he's going to come back next year because he still owns it and he still vents and he still thinks he's untouchable. And guess what? If they run all those investigations and don't find anything, that means he is untouchable in the eyes of people like Vince who think that way. I'm not condoning what he did. Please don't take it that way. I'm saying in his eyes, if he gets through all the investigations and nothing came out, he is officially untouchable, which means that guy is coming back. So in 2023, Vince is coming back to WWE and he's coming back to take the throne. Matt, what do you think about this? I'm real curious what Matt thinks. I, I think if Triple H keeps going the way he's doing and they're successful, there won't be a spot for him to come back. If if ratings were tanking really bad, which actually they have, you know, recently they had the lowest rated Raw segment in history, I think, here a couple months ago. Um, but yeah, if the ratings go well, then I can see them bringing Vince back in. But even though he wants to be back in and he owes majority of the company, there are still ways for that board to keep him off. That, you know, and that's where I was totally just about agree. to get. Yeah, totally agree with that. I'm yeah. just saying he's coming back. I I, I, I think he passes away this year. Ooh, that's, that's my prediction. All right. Well, I mean, his life. What's he doing now? Except going out with women half his age occasionally, showing up on uh, TMZ and stuff. So yeah. he's on the Ric Flair deal. Too many, too many blue chews. Um, yeah, definitely. He probably manscapes a lot too. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm sure he's a charter member. Um, all I'll say is uh, interesting point there because that does unfortunately happen to a lot of people in this world who who make work their life. And when they stop, you know, that happens. But a great way to segue for our next episode, uh, you know, which will be, well, we're going to be talking about predictions for 2023. So I appreciate every single one of you for being on here today. Thank you to the real hero. I can never say that right. The real heel Chris live for coming on today. Uh, looking like homeless Jimmy, uh, Matt Brown, Matt Brown, our historian jumping in. And we do appreciate you coming on. Of course, uh, the longest tenured guest on Mixtag, Cam Manning join us uh, as always. So, uh, thank, man. thank you, sir. And go blue Jays. <laughs> 
Yes, the tag gang can't see what you guys are wearing. But anyway, I hope you all have a fantastic, fantastic week. And we are out.